1: Well, thanks to uh, Chief Block for joining us in studio.
0: You said as uh, he walked out the door, uh, boy, that's a guy who knows his stuff. No (laughs) kidding. Well,
1: guess you have to in that position, but without a doubt. And, you know, getting some really good... uh, We we started that interview talking about... Sprinklers mm-hmm. in homes, and and the push by the uh, the association, the firefighters association, um, to let's see if it can get built into code so it can happen. And when you break down the cost, I I thought it would be much more expensive than what it is. I mean, it's more expensive to put in a, a sprinkler system after the house is built. Exactly. But yep. if you're working it into the price, and it's what another five grand. Whatever it is, depending on the side of your house. Um, I really like the idea of it. I really,
0: really do. Two to five grand over a 25 or 30-year mortgage. When you consider, and I know insurance was mentioned, that insurance rates will potentially Uh come down. I know... And I'm among them. People are skeptical that rates never come down. But there is also rates not going up as Mm -hmm. a result of fewer claims as a result of safer homes, right? So there is the potential to save money on insurance, even if the rates don't come down, if there's fewer claims. A
1: little bit more peace of mind, though, too. Sure.
0: Yeah. I know. It's one of those things. I mentioned to the chief off air um, that during the Fort McMurray Mm -hmm. fires, a number of individuals had security cameras Mm -hmm. and... I watched some of that footage, and and honestly, it was shocking to see exactly what the chief described, how quickly a house went from just a little bit of smoke, where you might look up and Mm -hmm. think, hey, there's a fire somewhere, to being completely destroyed. Mm -hmm. It was literally minutes. And the house was gone.
1: And we come back around to that conversation of you know the the escape plan, the plan mm-hmm. of what do you do if, where do you go if, where do you meet if, what do you grab if, do you grab anything at all? Where are the dogs? Where you yep. know all of that, all of that do stuff. Do the smoke
0: detectors all work?
1: Yeah, so yep. maybe tonight go home uh, and and double check. I know they usually they do that on uh, the the spring forward fall back right. uh, day, but maybe do it again. When you go home this evening,
0: so woke up this morning, got onto Twitter mm-hmm. and saw it alive with news of uh, our premier Rachel Notley holding an emergency cabinet meeting. She had a uh, an availability uh, without questions with the media. She's made a statement. Made a statement. Uh, apparently we've got some problems now with our neighbors to the west.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, B.C. yesterday, they have uh, threw out a proposal to restrict bitumen transported through the province. We had that on the news uh, throughout the day. Um, now, so it's the it's Premier John Horgan. It's the mm-hmm. NDP government out in B.C. So they announced plans to restrict the amount of diluted bitumen that can be transported by pipeline or rail until the province can better understand the ability to mitigate spills.
0: Right. So where that uh, affects us so what does that mean well that means in other words that what's in place now uh, cannot be increased. So in other words, uh, additional pipeline mm-hmm. capacity or pipelines can't be built. So it's sort of an end run around an agreement that's already in place to allow us to build the
1: pipeline. Yeah, and this is the uh, Kinder Morgan Trans right. Mountain Pipeline. So so we can build uh, the pipeline, but we can't put anything in it. Premier Notley, not impressed.
2: And uh, some tough
1: talk from the Premier today. Take a listen.
2: As you know, uh, yesterday the government of British Columbia took direct Aim at the Alberta and the Canadian economy. Um, acting outside the law, the BC government took aim at the jobs of hundreds of thousands of hard-working, hardworking women and men in every industry that depends on governments acting within the rule of law. The BC government took this action with no provocation and almost no warning. To call this a violation of the rules governing our Confederation is an understatement. It is an attack on its very foundation. Uh, Albertans play by the rules. We all know that. We've all worked very hard to do that. And we always have. And that's how we secured, as you know, the federal government's approval of a new pipeline to the coast, an historic achievement. That's, and just because the BC government in coalition with the uh, Green Party doesn't like the decision, gives them absolutely no right to ignore the law or put another way, to change the rules at a halftime based on a whim, which is effectively what we saw yesterday. Friends, this is not how Canada operates. And it's why we have a federal government that sets the rules and makes sure that they are enforced. Albertans and Canadians expect no less from Ottawa. Albertans also expect their government, us, to stand up and fight when our jobs and our livelihoods and the livelihoods and the jobs of all Albertans are at stake. It is a duty that I know we all take very very seriously. The government of Alberta will not, we cannot, let this unconstitutional attack on jobs and working people stand. Alberta contributes mightily to the economic security of every Canadian including every British Columbian. In return, we simply expect our fellow citizens to play by the rules and allow us to get a fair return on our products. The BC government is threatening to thumb its nose at this principle. And for that, there need to be consequences. I've called you all together today at this emergency meeting to discuss and evaluate the range of economic and legal um, options that are available to us including, for example, interprovincial trade in electricity. Although we have every expectation, expectation and we have had every expectation that the BC government would act within the law, we've also done some preparatory work looking at possible legal and economic responses should they choose not to. Specifically, last summer I asked officials to begin work on polishing the tools in our toolbox and so today I would like us all to discuss how best to use those tools to stand up for Albertans and for their jobs. The government of BC has acted rashly in a way that threatens jobs and investment, not only in Alberta, but in BC as well. Nonetheless, on uh, on behalf of Albertans, we must consider our options and our response to this action very carefully. Our economies, the economies of the two provinces are closely linked. Billions of dollars of goods cross our borders every year. Hundreds of thousands of jobs depend on good trading relationships. But I believe, and I know that you do too, that we owe it to Albertans to do everything within our power to defend our jobs and our economic security. And we will not waver in this fight. So we will be calling on all Canadians and the federal government to support us in our work going forward. There is much at stake for working people, for the strength of our economy, and frankly for the Canadian Federation as a whole. I look forward to the discussion that we will have today. We have many interesting things to consider. Thank you all for coming and uh, we'll have more to say in a few minutes. Thank you. Premier Rachel Notley.
1: It's
0: unprecedented. Uh, it's a federal ruling that the pipeline mm-hmm. can go through. I know some of our listeners are saying, well, what about Quebec? But it wasn't approved. This mm-hmm. one was approved. It was approved by the federal government. We are, at the end of the day, all Canadians. BC has absolutely no right to say. And, and again, it's an end run. They're not saying you can't build it. And they're saying, well, as a province, we want to limit the amount of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. bitumen traveling through pipelines. But. In effect, that's eliminating the construction of yeah. a pipeline.
1: So the uh, the project, the expansion project, would uh, nearly triple the capacity of the pipeline system to almost 900,000 barrels a day. At the end of the day, we are still the economic engine of this country. As the Premier said. Right, and that has that means we have to
0: get the product that's in the ground to market, and it means that we... And and specifically these days, when we've got a president south of us uh, talking from time to time about scrapping NAFTA, we need to expand... Expand our markets, and the best way to expand our markets is to get the product to Tidewater. That's what we need to do.
1: I, I um, you know, c- coming out and saying interprovincial trade in electricity could be a part of the economic retaliation. But we shouldn't have Retali- to do well, that. Well, you shouldn't have to do that, but if yeah, that's your tool, yeah, one of your sure. tools in your toolbox, and you have to look at it.
0: But it's, a, it's you know, not to get too deep into this, but you've got problems with our neighbors to the west. We had problems with our neighbors to the east. Yeah. Do you remember the whole thing about the license uh, Alberta plates? license yeah. plates? Yeah, sure do. Uh, I don't know, you can draw your own conclusions as to why this is happening, but this has not been the case in the past. Historically, we've gotten along quite well as the west, at least. We haven't always seen eye to eye with the east. But scrapping among ourselves right now, I don't understand it. And I've, I particularly don't understand two NDP governments not e- not able to see eye to eye. It, it makes no sense to me. So uh, uh, our prime minister has to step up quickly and do something about this. Mm-hmm. Tick tock, tick tock. Yeah, there's no time for uh, talking or speaking. That's uh, one phone call. Prime Minister to Premier, and let's get this thing sorted out right away. I, I really, I you know, I am a proud Albertan, as B.C.ers, I'm sure, are proud British Columbians. But like I said, at the end of the day, we're all Canadians, and this is really, really important to all of uh, all Canadians. And I understand. I don't, I don't respect or appreciate or agree with Quebec's uh, decisions not to allow us to uh, to construct in that direction. But you would think our neighbors to the west. Would completely understand our need to cut through their province to get our product to Tidewater. Yeah,
1: I think there, though, it's still the uh, the nature, the environment, all of that. Well, and whether you like it or not.
0: Yeah. Well, something has We're to be, find done, a, be There
1: has to be a balance found somewhere.
0: Right. Before um, we start having to put up uh, border crossings. <laughs> <laughs> we'll build a wall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And
1: they can pay for it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Jalen uh, I. Andrew Gross. We were talking a moment ago just about how we're all Canadians, right? Mm. And we need to get along and uh, be in, uh, you know, have each other's best interests at in mind. But every now and then, there's a federal thing where you go, "Was that a thing?" <laughs> so here's a thing. That's a thing um, <laughs> that I'm surprised by. Okay yeah. Uh, there's a woman in Jasper. This is just an odd story, and I hope it works I out.
1: Did not realize this was
0: a thing. In fact, I didn't know this, um, but I had not thought of it in a couple of yeah, decades. Okay. Back back in the day, somewhere, I, I mean, maybe 30 or 40 years ago, I remember reading about this in both Jasper and Banff, and I thought it was a cool idea, but I never anticipated, as I'm sure this woman didn't, that one day it would come to this. So there's a 53-year-old woman. She's lived in Jasper for 32 years. <laughs> 32 years, years folks. Uh, Steph Dolan is her name and but the deal is this in jasper they have a rule it's a it's a national park and the rule is well before i tell you the rule let me tell you why there is a rule they wanted to ensure that jasper was a real town that it wouldn't be a town of empty um Buildings and and uh, palatial homes, vacation that,
1: places. Right,
0: they wanted to have residents living there, and in order to ensure that, they had a residency requirement mm-hmm. that you have to actually live and work there in Jasper. Yeah, so to live there, you have to work in Jasper. Right, and and not only did that, and not only did that rule address not having vacant buildings and vacant homes, but it also encouraged people to start businesses and hire and and grow the town. And it's worked. Pretty seamlessly for a whole lot of years. In fact, so much so that n- nobody, well, there's a, n- we're not even talking about. Yeah, we didn't even know there was a rule. That's how well, well the rule is worked. And the vacancy
1: right? rate out there is exactly just
0: trying to find tough. a place, right? But this woman, um, because of economic times, took her a job at a coal mine south of Hinton. Uh, She's been working at this coal mine for 12 years. uh, Hinton, by the way, about 25 kilometers east of the park. Well, the land lease where her trailer sits came up for renewal with Parks Canada, and Parks Canada discovered she doesn't work in Jasper. She works
1: in a coal mine outside of Hinton. Which makes her not
0: qualified Mm -hmm. to have a trailer in Jasper. So as it stands right now, uh, she's got a real serious eligibility problem now. She's put the trailer in the name of her daughter, who does work in Jasper, but it's you know it's a bit of a a paper transaction, and national parks are not dummies, so they know that's what's happened. Mm-hmm. Now they've not made a decision on this woman yet. But they need to make the right decision. She's clearly a resident. You have to sometimes with rules and laws go back to what was the purpose of the law. The purpose was not to have vacant houses and vacant buildings, but to have citizens who were committed to Jasper. She's committed to Jasper. Obviously,
1: very committed.
0: 32 years she's been there maintaining her home. I mean if you you need a job you need a job she got a job where she was able to get a job but the idea that anywhere in Canada you would be forced to either reside somewhere or not
1: Can I just say too it's it's not far from Hinton it's not that far no. away it's not like she's she's driving to Banff for right, it.
0: exactly. See, I wonder if she hey. just set up a fudge stand or something. If that way, you know what I mean. If she did like a fudge stand Had on Saturdays in front of a trailer, because there's not enough fudge in Jasper or Banff, well, frankly, yeah. or sweatshirts. Or, Those are or, two or things.
1: Moose teddy bears. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A souvenir shop would our be nice. Are
1: moose, moose dropping
0: fudge? <laughs> uh, I, I laugh, but I feel for this woman. This has to get rectified. Uh, Parks Canada has not made a decision. And yeah. uh, this is what they've said: when reviewing eligibility. Uh, eligible residency requirements. Parks Canada ensures each case Mm -hmm. is evaluated in a fair, consistent, and compassionate manner with the best interests of both the community as a whole and the park itself. That's what their statement said. So I would suggest that the most compassionate, fair, uh, and uh, consistent ruling would be that this woman be allowed to stay in her trailer that she's been in for 32 years.
1: Are you a Jasper guy or a Banff guy?
0: Honestly, I'm more of a Banff guy. Lake Louise? No, more of a Banff guy. I really do like banff don't go a lot but if i were to go to if, if I had to, the choice i would go yeah. to banff
1: and i would stay as far away from banff as possible really? I'd go to jasper jasper is 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 our place yeah i guess i just know banff
0: uh, a lot better and it takes me through calgary uh if i choose yeah. to go that way so i can see the kids on my way through and it's close for them if they want to come out for the mm-hmm. day or whatever we did do jasper last time instead of banff yeah. just as a, a switch it's kind of our summer weekend Get getaway away thing Deadly expensive, both those places. Uh huh. Yeah.
1: And if you can find a place to stay, I mean, last year with the uh, the free park pass, it was uh, the 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 place was jammed solid. We're talking about going maybe the first week of July, Mm, um, and thinking we need to get going on it right now. If we're doing it, we'll be lucky if the place that we usually go to (laughs) has the little cabins available. Do
0: you want to hear a real little oddity? So oftentimes there's conventions at Jasper Park Lodge. Mm Uh, or Banff Springs Lodge. I can't recall what it's called. Whatever the big ones are there, right? The last time I did uh, a show at Jasper Park Lodge, is that what it's called?
1: JPL, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And they asked, they said, okay, so we've gotten you a hotel room, which I would need to change Mm -hmm. and everything. And I said, okay, just so you know, I'm not staying the night. Um, It's a beautiful hotel and I love it, but I'd rather come home. And the guy phoned back and he said, I don't want this to be like weird but we weren't able to get enough hotel rooms for everybody attending the convention. We've had to double up. So is there any way, would you care if you used the room for the first hour and our delegate used the room for the rest of the night? It's like knock him, knock yourself out. So their luggage was all in my room and everything. But that it just reminded me when you said tough to get a room. Yeah. Think how big that hotel is.
1: Now I'm a little. I'm. I have to go to Lake Louise yeah. next week. Mm-hmm. I have to. I'm, I'm. seeing a conference out there. Oh, nice. I'm not even sure how to get to Lake Louise.
0: GPS, that bad boy.
1: Like bamf, and then keep on going.
0: <laughs> yeah. Bam and Jasper are both the same way. I've been to those. I know, those ones, like these. It's just like, Those big lodges, every time I go to them, and and, by the way, typically your GPS cuts out at some point (laughs) as you start to climb the mountain. I know, but you start thinking, I know I know where this place Uh, is, right? But it's like, I believe I'm now on a goat trail. I'm not sure why.
1: Where's that big
0: blue (laughs) lake? Exactly. Uh, You'll find it. I hope so. <laughs> Be awkward. What? I do love those Where's
1: rooms. Where's our though? MC? Oh. She <laughs> <laughs> took the wrong turn. She's I in stated radium the, now.
0: I stayed at the Empress, uh, the Fairmont uh, Empress in Victoria couple of weeks yeah,
1: back? Yeah, they cut down all the ivy and those big, beautiful hanging trees in the front.
0: They did, but you know what? They're still doing it the way they did it, I think, at the turn of the century. There's still a gazillion doormen. Everyone's in uniform. They all call you Slowly by name. Slow and no
1: air conditioning.
0: The Yeah, well, I, I didn't mind the room so much. It, it was a good room, but the dinner service was just, it was like the shining. <laughs> it was like just, in a good way, it was like all the waiters in the same uniform with the little things on their sleeves and you just, I don't know what that costs, but man, can you does that turn, look good. Can
1: you turn up the lights just a little bit?
0: And can you let me open the window so I don't have to go outside? <laughs> the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.